All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. afternoon everybody thank you for joining us here on another episode of dropping the gloves it's labor day tim september 1st very exciting i think most of our listeners have jobs i would hope so some of them could be freeloading off the government in canada and the united states it's possible you're still giving out those free checks i think milking that system not going to judge you but get a job tim how are you i'm good i'm good i have a job so I'm uh I'm part of the system, I guess. You got multiple jobs. I have four technically, so if we're gonna, if we're gonna do that. Are you calling author a job? Uh yeah. Made a lot of money this year. By the way, what? there's gonna be a Labor Day sale for the book, TimWartsburger.com. Did you sell the advanced copies that you got? Would you buy five hundred? Yeah. Do you still have those five hundred? I've I've probably got like 125 left. So the answer is yes. You sold 380. Pretty Ish. impressive. Yeah. Thank you. That's on my list still of books I need to read. I just assume you read it and didn't like it. So you're not bringing it up. Haven't even cracked it. Very unimpressed with the personalization on it. All it says is Tim. Like that's all you just signed your name. You didn't write any message. I did write a message. I wrote a funny hope, note for you. I hope you enjoy or something. Uh, there's something else in there. I, I, I left you a funny note. Doesn't matter. I will say this. I sign books or I have signed a lot of books in my life. Thousands. Cause I'm a, I'm on the New York times bestsellers list for my book um, in Canada. I sold thousands. Like I mentioned, I, when I personalize it, put more thought into a complete stranger in a book tour than Tim did for his message to me. It looked like you got the book all the best. Tim Wurzberger. In the mail, it goes. No thought going into the fact that you're my podcast host. We've been good friends for a long time. You've met my family. You've dined with me on Christmas. All these things. All the best, Tim Wurzberger, in the mail. Not a second thought. I put more thought into Joe Schmo from Delaware signing a book for him than you did for me. That hurts my feelings. Sorry to hurt your feelings, John. But speaking of that, I saw a video the other day of you doing a uh, what do you call it when you do the uh, the messages online to people, the videos that the where'd you see this? Someone tweeted at you the draft order that you did. Yeah, yeah. The guy that got the twelfth pick tweeted and says like, "Ah, John, you got me there," or something like that. It was it was funny. 
Yeah. Uh, you know what? I had, it was cameo. I don't cameo. say it on the yeah. show. Cause I don't, I don't want, I don't want to be that guy, but I do cameos and it's funny how those work. They're hot and cold. I don't get any for like two months this week. I got four and I was Whoa. like, this is fantastic. And I made $500 because one guy left me a tip for $120. What? Right. Crazy. It might've been the draft guy. But it, it was it was a banner week for me. I was like, this is and I'm not making the dough me like I used to. So 500 bucks, is 500 bucks. Like, I'm like, this is great. I can go to Costco. I can get an oil change in my van. Things are good. I got I got a new cracked windshield. It's four hundred dollars. I've been driving around with a cracked windshield. Better part of six months. It's not safe. You got to get that fixed. There's more behind your windshield than you think. Like the steering like me. Yeah, makes you think, right? It's a tagline for some company, but it is. But what it, I, it's so expensive; it's just a piece of glass, right? It's more than a glass, man. Protects you. I tried to from what bugs, bugs, accidents, birds. So trees. people who drive motorcycles with no windshields, why aren't they just dropping like flies by getting hit from birds and trees, Tim? How do you know they're not? Windshields don't do jack. It's a racket. I don't need a windshield. It's cracked. It's you try driving without one and come back and tell us how it went. It's right in my line of sight, too. It's in the worst possible spot. It goes horizontal right across the windshield, right in my line of sight. It, it couldn't be in a worse spot. So there's that. Anyways, sign me a book and I'll read. I, I don't know. I was disappointed. Moving on. You know who else is disappointed? Fans in Toronto. Not for this offseason. Not because they had a, an epic offseason where they bring in all kinds of talent like they usually do. They're not disappointed for that. They're not disappointed in the new GM. They're not disappointed in the big fancy new deal for Austin Matthews. Those are good things, Tim. Those are good things. They're disappointed in the fact that their one way of seeing their team was to go to Buffalo. If you're not a millionaire, if you're not a business type who can go to a Toronto Maple Leafs game, where on average for a family of four, it costs a thousand dollars a night. Four tickets, parking, hot dogs, a couple beers. You're looking at a smooth thousand dollars. So for the people who can't afford it, the one, per, the non one percenters, they would go to Buffalo. You jump on the four hundred three, you'd hit the QEW, you'd get across the bridge, and you'd be at Buffalo in about an hour. It was fantastic. They could do all that. And only pay three, four hundred dollars for a family of four. That's what we gauge on, Tim. Family of four. Well, those days are over. The Buffalo Sabres says no more. Yet enough. Like the guy in Rounders. Yet all done. He check, 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 check. The Buffalo Sabres have said no more. No more Toronto Maple Leafs fans in our building. No more Montreal Canadiens fans, Pittsburgh Penguins fans. All these other teams not allowed. Only people living in the Buffalo area with the Buffalo zip code can buy tickets. Why, Tim? Why did they do that? Why would the Buffalo Sabres do this? What spurred this move? Well, surprisingly, it started with the Sabres players. They were embarrassed. They, they play a home game, and they said sometimes it's 80% Leafs fans when they play Toronto. And then, like, there was a game recently last year with Ryan O'Reilly had a hat trick in Buffalo in February. And they were like embarrassed by the amount of hats on the ice. And so they, they said something who's to somebody else who said something to someone else and it got elevated all the way to the top. And so now the way they're doing it is that for the initial ticket sales, there's like a, a delay period where only people with Buffalo zip codes can order tickets. 
And that doesn't count like, you know, the third, like Ticketmaster and StubHub and all that other stuff. But basically they want the Sabres fans in the building, which I think is a fair thing for them to do. Right. You think so? Well, it's not their fault that they're that close to the biggest hockey market in the world and the diehard fans that will easily drive an hour to go see them. You know what I mean? And like Buffalo is a, is a good hockey city, but it's not it's not Toronto. And so the fact that I don't know, I, I wonder how much different it is when like they play Boston, for example, like how many Bruins fans are there? Is it that much less than how many Leafs fans are there? This is more indicative, I believe, of just the Sabres market, don't you think? Because if there was more season ticket holders, if there was more team play uh, fans in the area who signed up for packages, there wouldn't be that many single game tickets available. So isn't this indicative? And I, I went through this Listen, I, I played in Buffalo for two years. I, I was there when there was a sea of Maple Leaf jerseys and they would come in. It was disheartening to be a player to come out, especially in the warmups. Nobody is watching your warmups. Everybody's watching the Leafs. All the fans are over there. They're clamoring to, to Willie, Willie, like the, they want the Leafs players. And you're just like, this is my home rink. This doesn't feel good. I played in Arizona. We had no fans. Every time Chicago would come in, every time Pittsburgh and Washington and all the Canadian teams, Tim, I'm not even kidding you. 75% at least were for the opposing team. When we would score a goal, the horn would go crickets. When the other team would score, it, it, it was like a madhouse. It, it was so strange. It was a weird environment. So I get what the Sabres are trying to do. But to me, this reeks of just like, maybe you should market your team a little more. Maybe instead of preventing other markets from coming in and buying tickets, just get out there and market the Sabres. You have a good team now. This shouldn't even be an issue. I don't know. I get well, it. Florida did in the playoffs versus Toronto. Toronto is such a strong fan base. If it wasn't for the Leafs, this wouldn't be an issue. They they bring up other markets just to soften the blow to not make it look like it's targeted for one team. But this is basically the Toronto Maple Leafs rule. We're not letting Toronto people buy tickets because it's my parents did it. It was so easy to grab a couple tickets, jump across the border, go see a game, fill the tank up with gas because it was cheaper and zip home. It's an easy thing to do. So I don't know. Good for the Sabres, but at the same time, start putting a better product on the ice. And then you won't have this issue. There'll be no way for other markets and fans to buy tickets. And if they do, they're not the majority because you still have that season ticket holder fan base. You still have the fans who buy those packages and that eats up 16,000 of the 20,000 seat arena you have. You know what I mean? Well, in fairness to Buffalo and the fans there, like they've been a pretty bad team for a long time, non-playoff teams. They made it once in the last 15 years, I think. And, but this year, this past season was the first time they really took a serious step forward. And first time you really seen those young guys start to break out. You can see the direction that it's headed and see the progress that they made. So I think it'll be a good year for them. I don't blame them for wanting to protect um, the tickets, or at least the initial sales and get those fans in the building. I'm curious too, like, is it, is it, I know Detroit's a bit further. I'm looking at a map, I'm guessing like three or four hours. So it's still a little bit of a drive, but do you see like those, those seas of blue in Detroit as well when you play there? I mean, I know you didn't play for Detroit, but well, I, Tim, I never played for Detroit. Yeah. So that's, I, I think you do. I think Toronto is one of those teams that has such a large fan base. They are almost coast to coast. When you're walking around Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, you see Leafs jerseys. When you're in Toronto, you don't see many flames jerseys 
or Oilers jerseys. It's such, a, especially out east. Toronto has a big hold out east. It's it's the Leafs and the Canadians out east. Out west, it's it's Leafs mixed in with the home team, obviously. But so you see, when I'm in San Jose, when I was in Arizona, listen. Even when I was in Chicago, when the Leafs would come in, there'd be a big group of Leafs fans. They they travel well. They're very passionate, and there's just a lot of them. Growing up in St. Catharines, most of my friends were Leafs fans. I hated the Leafs. I just didn't want to. I was a contrarian tip. I like to go against the grain. You know what I mean? I just, I'm not a sheep like you. I went against the grain. You're from Boston. Shocker. You're a Bruins fan. Ooh, way to be original, Tim. You I wanted to be. Like she you shut your mouth, Tim. I'm worship right. at the altar of Ray Bork just because for your whole life, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the only reason you weren't a Leafs fan is because you weren't born in, in St. Catherine, but you would have been if you had spent your whole life there. I did. I moved there when I was five. So when I started watching hockey, I should have been a Leafs fan or a, or a Sabres fan. Those are my two geographically closest teams. For some reason, I was I just went against the crane. I'm just one of those bad boys. You know what I mean? Bad you boy. are. I a tattoo. Bad boy. You're I was a, a Bruins boy, fan. You, if you wanted to go against the grain and be your own man, should have been a Montreal Canadiens fan. I would have respected you a lot more. <laughs> If you would have should have Bruins fan for life, I'm not going to. Yeah, change. that respect is gone. You're never getting that. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> it's impossible. All right. You know who else got some respect this week? Sheldon Keefe. His contract is up this year with the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's been pandering. There's been rumors. People are chattering. What are they going to do with Keefe? They got rid of Dubas this offseason. Shanahan's still there, but he might be on the hot seat. I expected Keith to be gone. Everybody else expected Keith to be gone. Well, no, no, no. Pump the brakes. Brad Trevealing, must like this guy. They re-sign him to a multi-year contract with Toronto Maple Leafs. So what do you make of this, Tim? Surprising for a coach who has done absolutely nothing thus far in his tenure with Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, the playoffs is the same story as the players. But in the regular season, he's third in winning this behind Cassidy. And I forget who else. Um, since he's been winning, winning this? Winningness, yeah, winningest, winningness. In the regular season, he's he's got the third best winning percentage since he's been the head coach for the Leafs. Like he's he's a very very good coach, and it's not only his fault. I mean, obviously he has to be better, just like Matthews and Marner and everyone else does in the in the playoffs. But he's not the problem, I don't think. So of course you want to sign him, especially given Matthews and the players seem to love him and have confidence in him. So I think it's an important thing. But it's also like this doesn't mean that he's going to be the head coach guaranteed over the next couple of years. I read an article this morning from Daily Faceoff, Mike McKenna, who kind of pointed out like this. All, all it means is that they're going to pay him to be the head coach. And that sounds obvious, but like Babcock signed an eight year deal and he was fired after year four ish, something like that, maybe three. And then he pointed out like he was getting paid until this summer as the head coach of the Leafs. He was still getting his money. So they could do the same. Babcock's off the books now. The Leafs have the ability to end the, 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 revenue and finances to fire Keith and still pay him doesn't mean that Keith's guaranteed to lock into a job for the next several years. He's still in the hot spot, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think this is just more so to quell the media storm. It's like, all right, we don't want to deal with this. We've signed him to a couple year deal, but is he the right coach for this team? When you say things like the players like him, they enjoy playing for him, this and that. I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. I think that's that works for some coaches. It doesn't work for many. You have to have 
a very special personality to be a player coach. You have to know when to turn that on and be a buddy, buddy. Okay, day off, go out, get some beers. This is great. I'm your buddy. But you have to be able to transition to just being a jerk and to being an authoritarian and to being the guy who says, this is my team. You walk on the line, how I want you to walk it, when I want you to walk it. That's it. I don't think Keith has that ability to transition from buddy, buddy, to I'm I'm the boss. This is my team. You go when I tell you to go. So I, I think he is a good coach for younger players. So I think he's well suited for the AHL when he can mold those guys and work with their talents. I don't think his transition to the NHL has been successful. I really don't. Yes, I know his winningness is there, and he's a gooder coach than most coaches. We're talking <laughs> Tim language here. Okay. But I don't think he has been a successful NHL coach to this point. What has he done? Yes, you could put anybody in that position and Toronto would succeed. They would win in the regular season. They would be successful. They would be one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. What coach wouldn't be able to do that with his team? Answer me that. Most coaches would. Most most legit right? coaches. Right, yeah. He was brought into this team to bring his system, which is run and gun, up and down the ice, track meets, really sell the players into it, and to succeed in the playoffs ultimately. He hasn't done it, so I don't know why people are still fawning over him. I don't get it. Yes, he's a nice guy. He says all the right things. He he takes criticism well, whereas Babcock would get bristly and fight back and question the media and this and that. He had a terrible relationship with the media. Keith takes responsibilities for all the players' just inability to play. He's like, no, it's my fault. I'm a bad coach. I have to work on things. Whereas Babcock would call players out. At what point does that wear off when you have to just say, hey, you ain't doing it, man. You've been here for how many years now? Three, four, five is it, Tim? I don't even know how many years he's been there. It's I not, think, I think it's not working. Yeah. So uh, I give him this year. He's He's been given all the tools, all the toys in the toy shop. Everything he wants, he gets. Everything. And he hasn't produced. I know we, this is like the same old story. I'm surprised he's back. I'm surprised he's getting an extension. I would have felt they would have waited till this, see how this season's gone, at least mid-season, and then make a decision on him. But maybe they just didn't want to deal with the conversations. They have enough money and the luxury to be able to do that. Whereas Arizona, they they ain't signing the coach, letting him coach out his ten. They're not firing somebody and then paying two coaches. Arizona's not doing that. They're like pinching pennies as it is. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second, but which coach in the league, whether active or retired, do you think would be the, the right fit for this group? Yeah, it's controversial because he had that issue with the Blackhawks, but Joel Quinville. I was thinking the same thing. When I think of a coach who's who has the ability to be a player's coach and then to transition into just being, I'm the boss, you either do it or you're gone, it's Joel Quinville. I have seen him get after the top stars in the NHL multiple, multiple times for not listening benching them, sitting them out, getting in their faces. And then you turn that and he has the ability to be like, all right, boys, win this game, you get two days off. It's tough to 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 toe that line. Quinville has the ability to do that. You're either usually a hard-nosed coach who's just a prick all the time, like John Tortorella, or you're a player-friendly coach who's just buddy-buddy all the time, as in Sheldon Keefe. And when you yell, the player's like, what are you doing? Like, just beat it. This is not who you are. They don't respect you when you try to drop the hammer. So there's very few coaches who can do it. <sighs> Q would be my guess. I'm surprised he's not back in the league. I really am. 
I wonder when, when you think he'll the, Bill Peters just got a job the WHL he was embroiled in the whole Akeem Alou thing where he was he's just a brutal thing it's like awful he's back in how long do you think until we see Quinville coaching in the NHL well the last I heard uh, it was a few months back but that Bettman said he was going to have a conversation because Bettman Bettman needs to personally approve it um even interviewing I think for jobs and I thought that was going to happen this summer but I haven't heard anything since then so I, I yeah maybe Q doesn't even want to you know, he, he's multiple Stanley Cup winning coach. He's made a boatload of money. Why would you want to? I think he's still getting paid from the Panthers. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So I don't know. He's a good coach. Heck of a coach. I've had a lot of good ones in my day. I really have. I've had Hall of Fame coaches up and down. Lindy Ruff was another guy who could tow that line. Very good coach. My first coach ever, Jacques Lemaire. He wasn't really buddy buddy. He was more do it my way or you're not going to play. So he was an example of just. This is what you're doing or you're going to be benched and I'm going to send you down to the minors. So, but he was, he was more likable than John Tortorella. Torts has just got that bristly personality. He doesn't take criticism at all towards at all. If you question his coaching or anything, he's like, he's like a little dog and he just attacks. You know what I mean? He does. What What are the major differences between Torts and Babcock in your eyes in terms of personality and how they handle I don't know, adversity in the media. They're very similar. I just think Babcock is just a tad bit calmer. And he he has <laughs> he has a small filter where he runs it through his brain. Torts has no filter whatsoever. It goes from his brain and out his mouth in a single motion. Whereas Babcock runs it through at least once and then it comes out. But Torch would probably say, Yes, I do. You should hear the things I don't say out loud that I'm thinking, you know. Well, I mean he's crazy. Then he's a psycho. <laughs> uh, I had a little dog a few years back. Fearless. Absolutely fearless. There's like, go up to the biggest dogs and get in the big dog's face. I was like, it's just going to take one dog on a bad day and it'll murder you. Like, it'll bite your neck and you'll be dead. The dog didn't respond. I, she didn't talk back. So, all right, get killed. I. I didn't care if the dog died, so I would always let it just get in dogs' faces. I'm like, this is just going to happen. not a dog I'm... guy. You're not a dog guy. It's okay. I was working up at my father-in-law's cabin two weeks back. He was putting some help, house wrap on his um, shed. I had to put some ice and water shield on his roof, and he's a little scared of heights, so I went up there and did it for him. Um, or with him. I shouldn't say for him. He was there. There was a dog. I, I've always told the kids we're going to get a dog when we build our house. And hopefully we start this fall. This interest rates are crazy. Anyways, the dog I wanted was in Canada. It was a Newfoundland dog, a Newfie. This is the biggest dogs I've ever seen. So they made me rethink wanting a Newfie because this dog, not a very well-trained dog. The owner comes by. The owner's got a rope that's three inches thick trying to hold this dog back. And it's looked like he's doing a tug of war with like the strongest man in the world. He's just like, Oh, Whoa, Oh, Greg, the dog jumps up on me, puts his paws on my shoulder. So his head's right in my face. Were you crouched down? No, I was standing straight up. There's a John, massive you're, dog. You're six, eight. This is crazy. The dog was huge. Tim, the guy's like, yeah, it weighs 180 pounds. I was like, yeah, it's crazy. I'm not getting it. And I don't like drool. I don't like, I, I just, no. So I'm not getting that dog. I think I might get a husky now. Let's see. They shed like crazy, though. 
It's going to be an outdoor dog. We're not going to let it inside. Okay. And we'll have a heated garage, so it'll stay in the garage. So, I don't know. Let me know if there's a big dog. Because I'm worried about bears. That's what I'm worried about. I saw some coyotes a couple nights ago when I was driving around. So we got bears. We have coyotes. We have foxes. I'm worried about the kids walking around our property. We have 30 acres. And I'm like, I can't keep an eye on you all the time. What happens if they stumble into a bear? You know? What, what do you do that, then, Tim? That, that patrolling range dog you talked about a while back. Those big ones that just go out and do their thing. Walk well, the those property. Ones are, those ones are like... My friend who owns those, he has to put those away when I come over. Because if I try to go on his property and those dogs are out, they will kill me. So they kill anything that they don't think is their family in the whatever range of property they have. And you smirk. It's the truth. They find carcasses all over the place, the family does, of like eating animals, raccoons and skunks and possums and everything. Those dogs are the real deal. So I wouldn't go on their property. They would murder me. But would you get one for your for your property? No, they're too. What happens if I like get a haircut? <laughs> yeah, then I'm dead. All right, moving on. ESPN released their predictions because we all know ESPN knows hockey. They're just. Did you see this? They're trying to offload the NHL package that they bought from Gary Bettman because they their viewership has been dwindling. ESPN is a sinking ship. Everybody associated with Disney and ESPN, they're firing everybody. So they want to offload the the NHL. And so they're they're actively trying to find someone who can air these games to try to make some money off of this investment that they got from the NHL because they it's just not working for them. They're not getting the return on the investment that they uh gave to the NHL, which is it's bad news. It, it's not Gary's fault. It's ESPN. You know? Anyways, they made their predictions, Tim. And they're a little they're a little strange. These are their point predictions. For an 82-game season in the NHL season 2023-2024, Connor Bernard, 90 points, would be the most points for a rookie since Ovi in 05-06, who had 106 points. Most points for an 18-year-old, Tim, in the salary cap era. What do you think about this prediction? 80 points. It's 90 points. It's high. It's 90. It's 90. It's really, yeah. And just that Sidney Crosby had um, 102 points that same year that Ovi had 106, but Crosby was 18. Ovi was 19 or 20 just because of the Russian thing. It's high. It's You take the under on that. And I get they're trying to get, generate a little bit of buzz and excitement, but as good as Bedard is, who's who's he going to pass to? Who's going to pass him the puck? I think like 60 points, 70 points would be like, this is, he's small too. He's small and he's young. As talented as he is, he's playing in a league with men. I don't see him getting close to 90 as a rookie year. All right. Brad Marchand, excellent hockey player. He's pretty on good. Boston, on the Boston He's pretty Bruins. good. The, the ESPN point predictions have him clocking in with 46 points. Is this a joke? Are they? Is this for real? It feels like a typo or it's like it's so low that it makes me think that I'm doing something wrong, that I that I'm like, what do they know that I don't? You know what I mean? Like I must have messed up somewhere that I think that's a crazy number because it's, or it's a typo. Maybe it's 86, 66, you know? Is he hurt? No. no. How is that a thing? Has he ever gotten 46 points in his career? <laughs> Probably as like a rookie. Like Maybe it's, as a rookie, but this is where you start to lose faith 
in your hockey, no wonder they're losing listeners. Because if you're coming up with this number for Brad Marchand, like a perennial MVP candidate, right? It, it just doesn't make sense to me. All right, the last one. Former number one overall pick, right before Connor Bedard. Sakovsky, what's his first name? Ju- Jujar? Yuraj. Yuraj Sakovsky. He is predicted, per ESPN, to get 56 points this season. What do you think? It's it's not that crazy. I mean, he, he was not good last year. He had 13 points, or 10 points, sorry, in, in 39 games. It's not that unusual to say, like, a, a good kid can break out a first overall pick and go and get 56 points. The part that makes this crazy for me is is relative to the one we just talked about, Marshawn. Where you think he can get 56, but Marshawn's going to get 46? It's just, I don't know, some intern was typing that list or something, and no one paid attention or proofread it because that's just, it's silly. It's a silly number. Yeah, he ain't getting 56. Not a chance. Not a chance in the world, especially on that team. No offense to the Montreal Canadiens, but they're a ways away from being a respectable team, don't you think? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's He's not going to be on the, he won't be on the first line. Caulfield, Suzuki, and Kirby Dock, friend of the show. You might get the second line, but then you're playing with Christian Dvorak, Josh Anderson. Those aren't exactly playmakers. I like right? Dvorak, but yeah, he's not. He's a low end second liner. Yeah, like he's not taking Caulfield's spot in the first line. He's gonna be playing with potentially Joel Armia or Brennan Gallagher or Josh Anderson. <laughs> he ain't getting 56 points. I'll tell you that much. Gosh, Montreal's gonna be bad this year. I'm just looking at the roster. They're gonna be they're gonna be really bad, Tim. Really, really bad. You don't think they could surprise you? You don't think you no. can see some big forty goals out of Caulfield, eighty points out of Suzuki? You don't think they could surprise oh, you? No. no, I think that first line will get a lot of points. The Suzuki and Caulfield, those guys are gonna put points up. They were one of the best lines in hockey last year. Who was their third? Was it Tatar? Well, Doc for the whole second half of the season was there. Yeah, but the first half it was um it was Tatar, I think. It was somebody. Remember, they had the best line in hockey for a while. No, Sokolowski is not going to get 56 points. Let's do our predictions. Let's just forget about ESPN. They're terrible. This is the drop in the gloves point predictions. Let's start with Connor Bedard. Number one overall pick, Chicago Blackhawks. is going to get every opportunity. We're going to do over-under, Tim. Over-under 75. I think that's a more realistic number for him. What do you think? I'm going under. Like I said before, I think like 60 to 65 is a, is a great season. If he puts up 30 goals, 35 assists, whatever. But I'm going under for Bedard for 75, for sure. I'm definitely going over. I think I said a few weeks ago that I expect him to get 100 points. It would not surprise me if he puts up 100. Why didn't... Okay. We just talked about him getting 90. You didn't think that was ridiculous? No. I didn't. I didn't. I let you have the floor. I okay. just let you talk. I didn't, I didn't respond at all. Okay. Right. I think it's. I think he gets a hundred. I said it a few weeks ago, probably three or four. But he, um, he's out there. Also, I hope you're right. I don't care about being right. I hope you are. But I'll be in Chicago more this year. You know why? Why? I didn't ask them if I should say this, but I think I should. The ink just dried. I'm working for ESP, uh, NBC this year in Chicago. Very exciting. I'm going to be doing a pre and post game. What does that mean for Blackhawks fans in Chicago? Where they, where can they find you? On TV. For NBC Sports. Isn't that exciting? It's very exciting. Congratulations. Thanks. Very cool. Yeah. I know. It's uh, my wife hates it. We're, we were we've been in a fight the last two weeks. She's like, I don't want you to do it. Like, I'm doing it. I don't want you do to they, do it. Do they do they give it. you a new co-host? And is he cooler than me? Is he more handsome? 
It's Pat Boyle. He's been there for years. Great guy. How tall is he? How tall is he? Come he's on. very, very tall. He's actually six oh, five. <laughs> yeah, he's he's very tall. He's he's actually very good. You guys are similar. He's you in about fifteen years, twenty years, because he's. I think he's got a few years on me. And how old are you? Thirty one. Thirty. Thirty two. Yeah. So yeah, Pat's probably at like forty five. So he's you you in about fifteen years. But he's tall, great head of hair, knows what he's doing. Smooth voice. All right, moving on. But yeah, so I'll be in Chicago quite a bit this year. You should come, Tim. Move Very to Chicago. Cool. I'll be there. You won't be there. All right. Boston Bruins, Brad Marchand. They said 46. I'm going over under same as Connor Bedard. I think that's a good litmus test. 75 points, Tim. Do you think he's going to be over or under? Let me just give you this. Last year, he had 67 points in 73 games. The year before that, he had 80 points. The year before that, he had 69 so he's been wavering a little bit. Injuries issues have been in a factor for them. He hasn't played a full season. And I'll give you 80 games, 79 games for a full season. Since 2018, 2019, he played 79 games. So it's been a while since uh, Marshawn's been healthy a whole season. Yeah, I'm going under. I just think a lot of the Bruins are going to take a step back. So much of his, I mean, he's an elite player, but so much of his production came from playing with Bergeron too, who's obviously not there anymore. I don't know, like, you either got Coyle or Zaka as your one C this year. They haven't figured that out yet. It's probably going to be Zaka, but yeah, I'm going to go under. I, I I think again, like he'll score thirty. I bet he'll 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 get sixty to seventy points. But that's I think that's the under. I can't believe I can't believe him. I honestly can't believe I'm hearing this. I think even with Zaka as their one C, he's still playing with Pasta. Most likely, I don't I don't see them going the DeBrusque Marshawn routes. But I think he'll be with Pasta with Zaka. He'll still have a lethal power play with McAvoy on the back end. He'll get his points. He'll get his cookies. He's going to get every opportunity, much like a Bedard. Who else do they have? They don't have anybody else. So he's going to get a ton of ice time, ton of offensive zone face-up time. He's going to get his points. Somebody has to score for the Bruins, and it'll be him, and it'll be Pasta. They both will put up 100 points close to. All right, moving on. Eric Carlson. New face, new place. Pittsburgh Penguins. Looks good in the Penguins uniform. Last year, he had 101, 102, something like that. It was, it was three digits, and everybody made a big stink about it. He was minus 87. Over under Eric Carlson this year, 85 points. Uh, I had to look that up for a second. Minus 26, but yeah, pretty close. He had 101 points last year. That's a, probably a good number, 85. I don't know. if he, Does he get more for playing with elite talent? Does he get less for splitting that those touches with Latang? You know what I mean? They probably balance themselves out. Again, I'm going under. I feel like I'm being negative today, but I'm going to go under 85. I agree. I think that last year was just, it it was because of the team. It was the environment. Nobody cared. Everybody was already checked out come October. End of October, everybody wanted to go home. He just was playing offense all the time. I think there'll be a little more accountability in Pittsburgh. I think Sidney Crosby, Malkin, Latang, those guys won't let him get away with the things he did in San Jose. And I think he may get a little less opportunities. They have Latang there already. They have the first power play guy. So he might get second power play unit times. His ice time will decrease a little bit. I don't know. I'm going definitely under. I, I think he'll be around the 65, 70 points. So it'll be drastically under 85. I don't think he comes anywhere near 100. If he does, it's a bad season for Pittsburgh. All right. Alex Sovechkin. Over under 40 goals. He had 42 last year. He's been declining. 
every season. Not by a lot, but he's been slowly declining. Washington is going to be garbage this year. They were garbage last year. They will be worse this year. They brought in nobody. They will be way worse, Tim. Does he get over? I already know your answer because you're just... Him and the Hughes brothers, you're in their back pocket. If this was a jail, you would be holding their pocket. They would flip it outside of their pocket and you would be holding on to it. Don't Google what that means. But yes, over under 40 goals, Tim. I'm going over. I'm going over. Not a lot of people get rich betting against Alex Ovechkin scoring goals. 42 last year, 50 the year before. He's just, I'm going over. I want, I want to bet. I want to, I want to bet on him. I looked how close he's getting to the record and he's getting fairly close. He's so, going to do it probably either end of next season, like two years or two and a half years. He's going to do it. He has 122 goals to go to get to Gretzky's record. So we'll find out that's total goals, including playoffs. Are you going under or over regular season? Ovi only needs to get 72 more goals to pass Wayne. So it could happen soon. I'm going under, but not by much. I think he gets 35. I think he goes 35 this year, 35 next year. And then he retires two goals shy of Wayne's record. See, the way that the Leafs fan had their, had their receipts last week about Matthew signing his extension and all the ones wanted to come back with a tweet you sent out like a year or two ago, the same thing is going to happen when Ovechkin breaks the record. It's going to be so good. You're going to be trending on Twitter. It's going to, I'm going to love it. I'm actually very aware of that. <laughs> it's going to be bad. He's Googling it's, how to delete a tweet. <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be bad. I don't think he breaks it to this. To, I really do. Next year will be a very big year for him. He's not getting any younger Tim. If I were to ask you how old he is, what would you say his age would be? Ovechkin, probably 37. 37, and he needs to get how many more goals? 72. So you think he's going to do that? Yes. In the next few years? Yes. Okay. I saw a funny video on Instagram of how Ovechkin, just like an ISO cam on just him warming up at practice. He's just standing at the top of the dot with his stick elevated, just rotating, following the play, not moving an inch, just waiting for the one-timer. It was great. And he, he turns 38 in two weeks. Okay. At your age, right? How old are you? You're 40, 40 now? Yeah. 40. Yeah, he's a lot better than I am. All right. I think he's going to be under. I think he'll be just under 35, like I said. The Boston Bruins. 135 points last year. Set an NHL record. Lost in the first round. Um, Patrice Bergeron, 0-3 in that playoff round. Over, under 90 points. This is This is probably the hardest question yet for me. I think probably 90s, just about right. Um, I'm I'm going to go under. Oh, my goodness. I'm wow. going under. You are all out on the Bruins this year. I feel like they'll get like eight, probably 89. Like, it'll be close. It all depends on, like, how they play against Buffalo and Ottawa. Like, wh- which way those points go, because that's yeah. going to be the difference, I think. No, you're right. It'll be those games because they play them a bunch of times. That's a good point. I think they'll be under as well. I think they'll be 88, 86. I think they'll be just under. Last year, Florida was the second wildcard team with 92 points. So I don't think Boston makes playoffs next year. Connor McDavid. Last year, 153 points. We were talking before the show how underrated McDavid is. I was just going on and on and on about how underrated this guy is. I don't think any people really grasp how special it is to see Conor McDavid right now. He had 153 points last year. 
the first guy in 20 some years, 30 years to even break the top 50, Tim, in points in a season. And he broke the top 15 in points in a season with the likes of Gretzky and Lemieux. That's it. And one Steve Eiserman. This guy's good. All right. Over under 150 points, Tim. I'm going over. Again, some of Ovechkin. I just want to, I want to root for the guy. I don't want to be betting against McDavid and his ceiling. The only thing I'm wondering, and this is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but we've talked about how Stamkos was a 50 goal scorer, and then he adjusted his game to say like it's about more than just you know finding the back of the net. I want to do the little things, and pretty much you can trace his lineage to those adjustments to Tampa finding success in the playoffs. Is there an equivalent to McDavid doing that, or is he just so good that it, that just doesn't? It's it's not even apples to oranges. You know? No, I don't think people are even having that conversation with him. I think he is strictly focused on just doing whatever he can. I don't think, I don't think he changes his game whatsoever. He he is the best player on the planet. I think he gets one one fifty five, one sixty this year. No, he got his old line mate from the Erie Otters signed, Connor Brown. We'll see how that works out. Two Connors on the first line, maybe with Zach Hyman, or they put Evander Kane up there. He's he's got some skill guys to work with. He's putting up big time points. I think he gets there, over 150. Is there anyone else in sports that can like, like let's just using fantasy as, a, as a, an example, where getting the first overall pick is that much of an advantage? Like, is there any quarterback that's doing this? Is there any basketball player that I'm not aware of that's like that much better than the second pick, you know? Yeah, no, the gap between one and two is so drastic in hockey. I can't think of another sport. Shohei Itani, but in, in pretty much all formats, the hitter and the pitcher are two different players, you know? It's like back in the eighties when you had to do fantasy hockey with a newspaper and like email and stuff, Gretzky's points and goals were two different players because it was just too valuable. And I wonder at what point they do that with McDavid. (laughs) It's just, they won't, but it's just, it's crazy what he's doing. My dad did a playoff pool last year and they were not allowed to pick McDavid. So they, (laughs) they just made a, a, an agreement between the guys. They're like, we can't pick him. He's obviously going to get way more points than everybody else. And he did. I think he was a top playoff scorer and he, and he was out in the th- second or third round. So, yeah, he's a special cat. But anyways, anything else, Tim, before we uh, hit the road here? A couple of quick hits. Uh, Hagelin retired over the week or this, yeah, this week. Injury related, similar to Don Skoy. Not that old, but he got two cups with the Penguins. Pretty underrated career. You know, like a really good like middle six player that could bump up and down the lineup. Um, some big playoff performances. So too bad to see him go down. Yeah, I played with Hags. Um, in New York, good dude, burner, one of the fastest players I've ever played with. He would keep up with Marion Gabrick. That's how fast he was. So very instrumental. He was a part of the big HBK line with Pittsburgh when they won the cup. He was him, Kessel, and Benino, a huge part of that Stanley Cup championship. So good for Hagelin. Sorry, it's a it's a terrible way to go out. You know, maybe it's because he wore his visor on the top of his helmet. Push it down a little bit, Hags. But anyways, I'm not. I don't want to make a joke of this, but yeah. Sorry to see him go. I think he was like 32. Still yeah. Still a lot of left in the tank. Yeah. One of those guys, when you look back on who won, like who won the cup, the Penguins, are like, okay, they had a good team. Crosby, Malk, and all those guys. It was Hags. Hags scored some big goals in those two playoff runs. He's 35, a little bit older than I thought, but still not going out on his own. Uh, on his own. Last thing here, speaking of the HPK line, Phil Kessel has made it known that he wants to play again in next year. He's let the teams and GMs know. And he has no problem not being an everyday player, which I think is good. It's implied, obviously, but it's good that he's a, he's got that self-awareness. And he also is willing to sacrifice the Ironman streak to keep it going. So you think he'll get signed? You think he'll get yeah. signed before the season starts? 
Well, that that window's is closing pretty dramatically. Um, no, I don't think he does, which is sad. He's just a Stanley Cup champion. Three times. Won it this year with the Vegas Golden Knights. But um, no, I think he will be an after-camp addition where teams will try out young guys to see where they fit, and then they'll realize that maybe they need a little more punch in their lineup. And Kessel will come in and be that guy, whether it's a second power play unit guy, a third-line score, something to kind of just add a little bit to the offense. Do you think they bring him back to Boston? Yeah, why not? Playing with Lucic on the second, the third or fourth line? Yeah, he's one of those guys. It seems like he would just go anywhere. I don't think he, he obviously isn't chasing a cup, but someone who signs him will be a cup contender, right? I don't, I don't think a lower-standing team is going to go out and get a Phil Kessel. You're going to want to spill that fill that spot with a prospect to give them ice time to develop them. So he's going to go to a contender wherever he goes. So it'll be exciting. He should be in the NHL like that. that he's a good player. He, he's good enough to get a roster spot somewhere in the 723 players in the league right now. So, all right, Tim, anything else? That's it. Any big plans for the long weekend? Up in Northport. I, I love it up here. I, I never want to leave, but um, no, we're going to have our friends over on Sunday. Nice little barbecue. Go for a swim. It's living life. What about you? Pretty nice little Saturday. Um, no plans. I'm going to go on the hike in the morning. You got a date? Classic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Where are you going? Um, For the date or for the hike? Actually, the hike is the date. Well, one of them. We'll see. How many dates is this now? Um, Like four, four or five. When do I meet her? I'm hoping to come up. In October next month. She Not, coming? No, but hopefully I'll see you there. That would be nice if you brought her. It'd be fun. Mm, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. She's cool. We like her. I'm sure I would. All right. Well, have a good time on your hike, and uh, everybody have a good long weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 